0: Welcome fellow pilots and other podcast listeners to another episode of the Alaska Pilots Podcast. I'm your host, Strategic Communications Chairman David Campbell. On the podcast today are MEC Chairman Will McQuillan, Negotiating Chairman Chris Gruner, and Scheduling Committee Chairman Scott Rubin. There's plenty more to talk about about the new CBA contract implementation schedule, and we will spend the bulk of today's podcast on those topics. Before we get started, I'd like to give a quick programming note. I was on vacation while this podcast was being recorded, and I'd like to thank everyone for recording in my absence. And so it'll sound a little bit differently. I'm going to hand over the role that I usually employ as moderator to Will. So thank you to all of you, and over to you, Will.
1: Well, thanks, David. And as noted, uh, since you're out on vacation, this format's going to be just, just a little bit different. But there are a few topics that we did want to discuss, uh, especially since a lot of these contractual changes become effective here on the the 1st of December. And, uh, you know, we are several weeks since the vote and well into uh, the implementation of the contract. And I I do think the bulk of the questions that we receive from pilots and the feedback centers on a couple of topics, Uh, specifically, obviously, implementation, what's happening, when and why, you know, why are things not immediate? Uh, as I said a, a few seconds ago, a lot of things are going to kick in shortly, but um, we'll continue to focus on that as the starting topic in this podcast, and continue to be transparent both about what's going well and uh, other issues that are maybe maybe not moving as fast as we'd like, and uh, you know I'd start I guess by looking at sometimes the the when and the why is uh, again to legitimate programming needs or education, you know when it comes to implementation. Uh, for example, you know, we needed a good solid month to educate scheduling for all of the, the changes that are happening in the new contract to ensure that, you know, once things start, that they do start right. Um, you know, getting back to the why, uh, you know, why do things not happen immediately? Not just the education piece, but uh, this contract means that the company must hire pilots to account for the fact that uh, credit values are growing. And some of these credit-driven changes are slightly delayed. Uh, For example, deadhead credit will start in February. ADG credit will be programmed by the end of March. And the uh, 345 vacation credit will start in 2024. And we did agree in the LOA to delay some of the credit increases to give the company time to get that staffing in line with where the credit requirements need to be And to allow for the required programming also to take place. I think we'll talk a little bit about programming legitimately, both in, uh, you know, crew access and then obviously as we move towards PBS. But uh, these credit increases are happening faster. I will note that implementation timelines at other airlines with comparable changes, with big, big changes to their contract. Uh, And again, the the company's got to hire for the CBA and continue to dig out from the attrition um, deficit that they already had but, uh, our key focus is, and will remain that while this happens, you know, pilots quality of life isn't impacted. The, uh, the second topic that we hear all the time from the pilots, and it will be kind of a focus here on this, um, on this podcast is, you know, has the company actually changed Has culture changed, or are we still seeing uh, a company unwilling to deal with yesterday's grievances, um, while avoiding tomorrow's grievances? Um, So with that said, those are the two topics that we'll focus on. And it was also the focus of the uh, recently completed MEC meeting uh, where we spent a lot of time discussing the when, where, why on implementation. And uh, we did have very candid discussions with the MEC um, and the MEC with senior management. The pilots are very concerned about not just implementation and implementation happening correctly and with them respecting this new CBA. That the business has to change. Um, I can talk to some of that in a bit, but I do want us to focus on that that first issue, which is implementation—the when, where, why pieces. And for that, I think, it's probably better that I, I do turn the conversation over to you, Chris, and to uh, to Ruben to talk about a lot of the work that you've been doing. Yeah. So I
2: know there's been a lot of uh, questions about how the contract looks. You know, as we kind of roll through implementation and uh, which pieces that. Uh, Pilot should be looking at in order to um, understand what their schedule should be for you know each given day. So the good news is, is starting December first, a lot of the stuff is going to be uh, rolled out. And so we want to kind of work through a few of these things here and just make sure that uh, you know it's clear uh, to all of you what your contract should look like or what your schedule should look like. So first of all, I just want to point to the implementation pages that we have on Goodreader and then alaskapilots.org. I think there's a lot of good resources there for people to look at. And to uh, if you have any questions, we'll kind of help you gauge um, what has been put in place and you know, what still remains. But the general principle, I think starting December 1st, is if you look at Section 25 or the rest of the contract, That stuff should be in place or will be in place, I guess, uh, on December 1st with just a few exceptions. So I know, for example, there's uh, some questions about what my reserve system looks like on December 1st or when PBS is going to happen. And the big picture is, is if you just look in Section 25 itself, we wrote it very intentionally to make sure that that is going to show you what the rules are for your reserve system, you know, forbidding things along those lines when you are uh, trying to figure out um, what your life should look like. And then now we put the uh, new reserve system and PBS back in an LOA in the back because those are coming in later. And as they get implemented, we'll pull them into the main body of the contract. So hopefully it's intuitive for pilots to be able to see, um, you know, what's in place and what's not. Uh, There are obviously just a a few exceptions, you know, for example, the deadhead credit, you know, that's going to be put out in February. And those exceptions we have written into the uh, implementation MOU in the back. So that's 2206, if you wanted to go back and uh, look at that. But, um, you know, and for reserve pilots, the extra day off in a 31-day bid period doesn't start until, well, January 1st, but the first one, I think. Scott, it's uh, May.
3: Yep. May 31st, or in May, there's 31 days. That's correct.
2: Right. And then uh, the reserve vacation uh, piece there too, you know, when the vacation is going to be applied differently to the reserve schedule, that starts at January uh, 1st. So bidding in December for January. Uh, so you won't see those changes in the December uh, bid month. So that's kind of uh, just the governing principle, I guess, on how things are going to be rolled out. Um, I don't know, Scott. If you had anything to add on, on what that looks like to pilots or how they can get uh, clarity on what they can expect.
3: No, I think you covered everything pretty well there, Chris. Um, just a couple things. You know, in order to have the January uh, pairings, you know, we had to start working on those in November. So we used the new cost reference uh, process in Section Twenty Five Bravo um, to do that for January. Um, that process, you know, it's a, it's a good process where we um, compete only to uh, a fixed cost to get our solution picked. Um, the pairings went together a lot better in January than they did in December. So pilots, I think, will see a change. Obviously, we're constricted to the network when we talk about um, pairing construction and the impact of the network. An example is if we have all-nighters to fly. Uh, those flights exist and they have to be in a pairing. So uh, y- those are still going to be in there, but we were able to get uh, more quality and solve some issues than we otherwise would have. Um, yeah, no, that's good. And I think
2: that highlights too, just how much work is going on behind the scenes, because uh, I know on the line, a lot of times it just especially the last month or so you've been, everybody's been used to getting a lot of communications from the negotiating committee as we've been working through negotiations. Then now that stuff's getting rolled out, I think that's gonna be less frequent, but uh, I do want everybody to understand that there is a lot of stuff going on um, in order to get this stuff in place. And then we just wanted to be careful, not just to throw out one little thing here and there. Uh, We wanna make sure that you guys are able to understand the full picture when we communicate and that, uh, you know, for example, with this last NCCOM, I think it's useful to go back and take a look at that and it should paint a picture. It was the goal on, uh, what December is going to look like. And so you should be able to just walk through that communication and, or the email, and then, uh, hopefully get your questions answered. And if you don't, please reach out to, um, contract compliance and negotiating committee or your reps, and we'll make sure that, uh, we answer your question, and if necessary, we'll roll it into another email later so that uh, other pilots can benefit from the question that you ask and make sure that they have clarity as well.
1: Yeah, and I can certainly speak to the volume of work that's happening and the cadence of meetings. It seems like uh, ever since the, uh, the contract you know, became effective, we focused on uh, implementation. The cadence of meetings, the number of meetings uh, that are happening to, again, to get after a lot of those programming needs are very, very significant. And I do think that uh, you know, to Ruben's point, that you're looking for a lot of changes overnight, and some of the the network things that I think um, that you pointed to really do impact. And so I kind of want to put a, a finer point on that, if I can, Scott. That you know, a lot of it also will get better with single fleet. I do think that as uh, the Airbus draws down and we start to see uh, more flying consolidated to a single fleet, things will become better. Uh, it was interesting talking to your team, Scott, when they point out, you know, things like uh, that, you know, a flight on a Boeing goes into Phoenix at nine in the morning. And then the next opportunity to fly out on a Boeing isn't until the afternoon. So it becomes one of those layovers, you know, that people are like the one and done, um, which are are kind of frustrating. Whereas, you know, now there'll be new opportunities as we do go single fleet. So some of this will phase in and it will, it will become better. I think a lot of the improvements will be felt. Um, but due to Chris's point, rest assured that Boy, there's a lot going on.
2: And I think on top of that with the meetings, I want to emphasize that it's not just that the company's having meetings and having them with Alpha, but these are meetings with deadlines and clear goals and things along those lines. So there's uh, accountability for getting things programmed. And uh, there's, there's a huge programming lift on this contract, whether it's uh, trading, you know, payroll, uh, the reserve rules, a lot of other things that are being put into place. And it is happening really quickly, and to the extent they can't, the company can't get the programming in place immediately. They're having manual workarounds in the interim to make sure that they can bridge the gap and still get those rules in place, and then you know, then still working to get the um, programming done as quickly as possible. I think one of the uh, things that's worth highlighting too are the uh, PBS meetings that have started. So, Scott, I don't know if you want to talk to how that's been going a little bit, who's been involved, and um, what's been coming out of that.
3: Yeah, the PBS uh, working group, you know, we have uh, uh, just four of us for ALPA um, that are meeting with the company as well as NAB Blue. Um, The company has brought a huge team to this uh, programming. Um, 20 plus people that are from IT, uh, crew planning, um, scheduling, you name it the company's bringing all the people that have a stake in PBS uh, to the table. And I think what's good about that is it shows that the company's serious about getting us there. Um, There's a lot of programming lift. We have to program not only nav blue to our contract, but we have to program our systems that interact with nav blue, which obviously um, the flight attendants have nav blue horizon has nav blue. So the lift isn't going to be uh, as big as it could have otherwise been. But the pace of the meetings has been good. The volume of work has been good. Uh, we met for two days straight a couple of weeks ago, simply to go through the bidding choices that our pilots will have t- as an example of, of what's going on with that. And also I'll, I'll go back to what you said a little bit earlier, not just in PBS, but trip trading, for example, you know, there's programming that needs to take place to account for the changes that we've made in widening the parameters of our trading MOUs, for example. And not only do we have to get that going so that JCTE and crew access can see those changes and, and, and process them correctly, but we also have to bring crew scheduling and the trade desk up to speed on here's the changes and here's how the MOU works now. So all those things have been going on behind the scenes and, you know, working with uh, crew scheduling and working with crew planning on the new cost reference and, and getting PBS going. And we'll talk about scheduling floor volunteer here in a minute. There's just been a ton of stuff coming. Right. And so, again, just to emphasize, even though the calm, calm volume hasn't been that, that much, the work has been going on steady. Yeah, and I I think it's worth pointing out, too, with uh, PBS, just how much
2: work actually needs to be done to get that rolled out. Usually it takes 18 to 24 months. It's not uncommon to see that for um, a PBS system to be in place. And then usually then there's still negotiations over what the rules are going to be. So we've gotten in front of that. We have the rules in place, which is incredibly helpful, helps speed things up. There's still a lot of system issues where you have to have programs talk to each other, and, you know, you've got to make sure that the PBS system itself uh, reflects our negotiated rule set. And so there is a lot of work and uh, it is moving along expeditiously. So just want everybody to know that there is a lot of um, movement on getting that in place and it is happening. I think we can expect it to happen on the faster side of what we've seen PBS rollouts be for uh, companies. Uh, I'm don't think it's unrealistic to say early 2024 is a uh, is a realistic goal
1: and i do think that what i hear a lot of from the average line pilot is as well it was programming for example that was in the way of third step implementation and so the skepticism is there and uh, i think that there were some differences uh, that underlie why third step didn't fall into place as quickly as uh, as it needed to but I think I can speak to, and I think you guys would agree with me, that there's a very different focus in terms of uh, team that's assigned to it, resources that are assigned to it, and, uh, and and genuine motivation to get a lot of this stuff done. As you said, if it's not programming, they're finding the manual workaround process, and and that's encouraging to that skepticism.
2: Yep, and no very much a trust but verify. So you know, we all have a plan to move forward, and then we're, you know, working closely to you know make sure everything's staying on track you know that uh the timelines that we have rolled out in the contract are are being met so uh, again so far the company has a a big plan lots of people moving to again get all these things uh, in place and so far they've been staying on that timeline so it's been encouraging also i I do want to spend a little bit of time too just talking about the reserve rollout because I think there's a little confusion. Uh, The reserve, the new reserve system does not have to be implemented with PBS. It doesn't have to wait until then. So we're actually going to be working starting in January to get that rolled out as soon as possible. Just uh, the the only rule or requirement in the implementation MOU is that the reserve system can't be rolled out later than PBS. So uh, I'm hoping, and this is optimistic, but uh, by spring, you know, we can have that reserve system in place. And again, there's some programming for trading language that's required in order for it to work when you're looking either at reserve trading or um, the single ARC, or sorry, single wrap for the day, ARC number. And uh, once those are in place, then a lot of it is really just training and making sure, again, that the schedulers are implementing it correctly from day one and understand the rules. And then same thing, making sure that uh, pilots are educated on what to expect on day one. So those are the big challenges. And again, we'll be working to get that done expeditiously.
3: Yeah, Chris, um, just to that point, again, behind the scenes, what's going on? Next week, we're meeting with Jeppesen for two days simply to talk about the reserve system and what needs to occur for trading to happen and, and trading on the single arc. So that's early December that we're doing that. And so that we can get a picture from Jeppesen and what it's going to take them to program it so that we can go live with these things. Well, so that's all the stuff that we're
2: working on. I think it's worth spending just a little bit of time uh, explaining what you can expect in December, because there are some uh, significant changes that if you miss them, uh, You know, bidding, for example, could affect your life. So again, these will be consistent moving forward, but uh, it's always difficult when there's a change trying to keep up with uh, all the stuff that's going on, especially with as many as we have with this contract. But I do want to start off with the uh, bidding timeline. And so uh, I don't know if Scott, if you have it in front of you or not. I'll uh, kick it over to you and maybe you can just kind of run through it and then, uh, you know, what the interim changes are there until we get third step.
3: Yeah. So if you're listening to this podcast, driving in your car, pay attention right now, because with our new CBA, we, we changed the bidding timeline for your monthly bid. So instead of opening on a Friday, now it's going to open on a Thursday. So for January, bids are going to open December 1st, which is a Thursday. So that's when bidding opens. Now, bids are going to close five days later on Tuesday, the 6th. So you got five days to bid your schedule. And that's, that's a change from, from the past. Then you go into first step, second step, normal bid timeline there for the amount of time you have to bid. And finally, the final thing that you're going to have to pay attention to is when open time trading opens. So it's going to open on a Saturday at one o'clock. And so that's on the 17th as opposed to Monday night at, uh, 9 PM Seattle time. So that's the big changes opens on a Thursday, closes on a Tuesday, open time trading on a Saturday. And we're going to post that, uh, in a lot of places, but just, uh, just know there's a change and look for those. We're going to text blast and get the word out as best as best we can, but, um, just know those changes are coming. Yeah. And. Uh, you know I like pictures, so
2: in the uh, MOU for the temporary adjustments, we do have uh, examples or calendars for December, January, and February in the contract, so you can go back and look at those. If you're looking in the uh, contract under the bid adjustment section, in section 25, uh, there is a hyperlink that brings you back to the MOU in the back, so it should be easy to find. I think will also be posted on the crew planning uh, page, is that right, Scott?
3: Yeah, we're working on the pilot webpage or the pilot website, um, crew planning will post the, the bidding timeline. We'll get that adjusted. I think we should maybe just take a minute too, Chris, to talk about why we adjusted the bidding timeline. Um, so obviously our bidding timeline and this new CBA um, adjusted for third step specifically. But until third step comes on online and we have the ability to use it, why delay our um, final results of our schedule for the month and get to trading just because we don't have third step? So we pulled the third step out, moved everything up so that we can get our schedule sooner in the month and not wait for no reason um, until we get third step. Once we get third step, then that, published timeline will be back in effect and, and we'll be using that. Yeah. and You know, through the rest
2: of this year, it's going to be like this, but then once we get to PBS, it's just going to be a calendar day. So I'll just it'd be, it should be a lot easier to keep track of. And we are moving in that direction, but in the interim, make sure every month uh, it's probably be worth just looking at that crew planning page and checking the calendar and making sure that, uh, you're, you're, not missing the, the timeline. Um, It's also important, I think, to point out in step trading starting into December, you're going to be able to drop to 60 hours in first step. And then you have to pick up by the end of second step to 75 or the bottom of the uh, window that's built with a flex month. So, you know, if it's a one hour flex, you'll have to pick up to 76 hours. And then um, again, if you aren't able to pick up or you don't by the end of second step, then uh, crew planning can assign you, but they only have until trading opens. And then after that, you're free and clear and protected to the guarantee, which is 70 hours starting in December. So a lot of these things are gonna be different as well. Um, but I think it's a nice segue into trading there, uh, Scott, because uh, there's some changes there as well. And one of them is that credit window for trading. So once you leave, step trading now the credit window is going to open up and it's going to be from 70 all the way up to far max so that will be uh, i think a significant change to um, you know your ability to move trips around and things along those lines
3: so keep in mind too or that in first step you can drop down to 60 that's true a day could close which means that you wouldn't be able to necessarily drop. You can still trade day for day if a day is closed. But if you're going into your plan when you bid that I'm going to be able to drop down to 60, yes, you can as long as the day is open. So keep that in mind. And then same with uh, when we get to open time trading and we go from 70 to FAR max, it's going to be based off of reserve coverage to be able to drop. So you're going to have and and that's why that window works in general for both the the company operationally is you have the reserve coverage to be able to take that time into open time so trading's going to be uh, improved with the MOUs again, the program is not going to be there, so you're going to have to go through the trade desk to get that done um, but you will have to have reserve coverage in order to tr- just simply drop trading will be better. But just to to keep in mind, don't bet your whole month off of the ability to be able to drop because you might not have the reserve coverage or a day could close and step trading. Yeah. So just to kind of uh, add to that a little bit. So trading is going
2: to be like it is today, subject to reserve coverage. It'll just be a wider window, 70 up to far max. But then the MOUs that we have in place, you know, day for day and then day for a different day. Um, that allow for trading without looking at ARC are more open and permissive than they were previously. And that's gonna start in December as well. So if your trade doesn't go through the, the first time with the ARC, then there'll be more opportunities based on the MOUs to uh, trade without ARC being a factor. And so the way I think bottom line to, to look at this is uh, try your trade first in crew access. If it doesn't go through, then try the, uh, trade desk. Then if you have questions about whether or not it should have gone through, please call contract compliance. And then, um, we'll make sure that things are staying on track that way. And then that should, uh, work out. I also just want to point out that the out of base pickup for, uh, trips is going to start also in December. So again, just review the contract. It's in section 25 J trip trading on uh, what the parameters are for when you can uh, pick up out of base and you will need to call the trade desk in order to make
3: that work. Yeah, that's gonna be a manual process too, Chris. Um, on the MOUs, it's, uh, I just wanted to bring this up again. I, I think you covered it well, but the MOUs never deny a trade. They only help get a trade through. And it could be that you don't meet the parameters of the MOU, but the reason the trade died or was denied is because you didn't have reserve coverage. And then it, if you don't have the reserve coverage, it says, can I process it through the MOUs? So the MOUs only help us get more trading. And I know there's still confusion out there on the line. So I just wanted to make that point. The MOUs are a good thing. They help us get more trading flexibility.
1: Yeah, and definitely, I think, add to that because uh, that is very misunderstood. People say, why do we agree to something that restricts trading? We didn't. The MOUs help facilitate trades, always have. But most importantly, in this last negotiating cycle, we managed to make those MOUs even more permissive in a big way. And I think that they're going to feel that. But unfortunately, you know, we will have to occasionally work through that trade desk until things are completely automated and programmed to, uh, to be able to facilitate the trade. And we always have the backstop, as you said, of uh, the resources here with contract compliance to hold it accountable. I do want to take a second to point out another resource, a really important resource that's going to be available to pilots here shortly, and that's scheduling for a volunteer, which uh, I'll give to you, Ruben, to talk about. But you and I have spent a lot of time uh, this last week or last couple of weeks working to make sure that this program gets off and off on the right foot here starting December 1st. And that resource, I think, is going to be just as important to pilots uh, when they have questions about scheduling uh, issues and, and certainly the new contract.
3: Yeah. I think it's going to be very helpful. The, you know, the scheduling floor volunteer, what it is, it's the program where we're going to have pilot volunteers on the scheduling floor doing shifts alongside the crew schedulers. And and the point of it is is to better support pilots in answering their questions and getting their issues resolved in a more timely manner. It's not to schedule the airline. It's not to, uh, do any of the uh, business decisions of the airline. It's simply as a resource for our pilots. Um, we'll put the the phone number up in the show notes, but it is 833-303-5667 or 833 floor That's the phone number. And that'll be, put, please put that in your uh, contacts on your cell phone. So that if an issue comes up, you can call the scheduling floor volunteer. A little bit about the hotline: what you, what happens is you call the hotline. It will ring the scheduling floor volunteers, and they can talk to you live. If they happen to be working with somebody else, it'll go to a voicemail. Leave a voicemail that'll be distributed back out to them via uh, to all the scheduling floor volunteers, and they'll call you back as soon as they can. If they happen to not be working a shift, contract compliance hotline is still going to be available and operate as it has in the past. We're going to try to staff it as much as possible, but we only have four volunteers, so it's not going to be 24 hours a day. Another resource that uh, will be available to pilots um, real soon, we're, we're doing the final editing of it right now, is updating the scheduling stand notes to our current CBA to the CBA 2022. Um, changing the references of the contract as well as the language and the stand notes. So that will be available to the pilots as another resource to get your questions answered on commonly asked questions that in the contract. Good. Well, uh, I think
2: we can move on to reserves a little bit here now because, uh, again, I just want to clarify a few things and what you can expect on your reserve schedule. So like we said earlier, the new reserve system is not in place yet. However, there are a lot of improvements to reserves in the interim. So again, if you just go to section 25, uh, everything there will be in place when you are going through your daily reserve uh, life. So I'll I'll just hit a few highlights here and we can kind of uh, just talk through what some of the improvements are. And again, if you want the full picture, just go through the underlined pieces in the uh, contract itself and then those will be uh, rolled out here in December. But um, we already have the longer call out, so 14 hours for long call, two and a half hour for short call. And then remember, if it's less than four hours to departure and you're on short call when you get called out, then you can get either close-in parking or rideshare reimbursed. Um, Raps are down to 12 hours. Uh, I know for the December schedule, I don't know, Scott, if it's actually depicted that way yet in the system, but um, it was – the wraps were showing 14 hours for a little while, but uh, what the company is going to do if they haven't already is just cut off the last two hours of the wraps that are in place.
3: Yeah, they uh, accidentally published them with 14 hour wraps and manually went through and changed all the wraps to 12 hours. So that has that should be on everybody's roster now. That's on reserve. Perfect.
2: All right. Also, if you hit the monthly guarantee during the bid period, so 79 hours for short call or 75 hours for long call, then at that point, uh, for every additional reserve day that you sit, you're going to get um, extra pay of two hours and 50 minutes, uh, even if you don't fly. Now, at any point, the company could decide just to give you the rest of the month off once you hit that Maximum guarantee, and then now you don't get that pay, and then you're free to um, pick up reserve line on a day off if you want, or enjoy just enjoy the the time off, and you'll still have the uh, obviously the credit that you've accrued, so it's not going to be a pay hit uh, to you in any way. All right, we also have uh, the updated assignment process, so I'm not going to go over all that here, but I think it's worth going through that section in the contract. Um, just taking a look at uh, 25M in particular, read through it, and then that'll give you uh, the opportunity to kind of see what to expect. Uh, and it, it's much more clear on the order of assignment and when they can call out a reserve and in which order do they do so. Um, the process for dropping the last reserve data block, this 25M4G. So that's been in place in November. It'll continue into December and beyond. So... Uh, worth reviewing that if you're looking to get that last day off. Again, it'll be subject to ARC or to reserve coverage. But um, there's an opportunity there to get an extra day off if uh, the coverage is good. Um, if you are delayed into a day off or vacation day, there's new rules in place there also. So if that happens to you, check out the schedule and uh, make sure that uh, you know what to expect and take advantage of the opportunities given to you. And then, again, no ACARS. Will be sent to you for scheduling issues and just a big reminder here make sure that uh has a reserve pilot when you end your trip in base just uh, make sure you check the schedule on crew access you only have to check it once when you land before you leave and then you're uh, good to go but if you do have something on there then uh, you need to acknowledge it and then go uh, continue on your trip we did limit uh, what kinds of trips they could give you though so once you Start your duty for your last day. The only way the company could add anything to your uh, reserve line is if it's in the order of assignment and it fits within that duty day.
3: So, can we give a a quick example of that, Chris? So, I'm a reserve pilot, I get assigned a three day trip. I start my duty period on that third day. I've reported to the airport um, at 45 minutes prior. Let's say I'm on a layover. They can't assign me any additional flying to that duty period unless it was coming to me in order of assignment. Like I'm the load time pilot that has the same category that the trip does. So just wanted to kind of put an example to that. Perfect. And then uh we're nearing the end here.
2: So I'm just gonna talk a little bit about uh vacation and then into payroll, and then I think we'll wrap up this implementation section. But um With a vacation, so if you have 18 days or more of vacation in a bid period, you won't bid anymore. And then so now if you have 18 days, right, your pay value is going to be 67 and a half hours. However, you will be protected to 70 hours in that event. And any credit you pick up will be above that 70 hours. So it's just worth um, understanding that as well as you plan your schedule out. And then regarding payroll, um, there's a payroll email that went out. Again, it's on the implementation pages, both on uh, Goodreader and alaskapilots.org. It's really uh, worth your time to review that. Uh, Most of that stuff should be programmed within a few months. Uh, There's a lot of it that's already programmed to to capture stuff. But the, the big picture is if you have changes in particular, Uh, you know, like a delay or something along those lines that happens to your schedule or a reassignment. It's worth uh, making sure that you check um, Rainmaker carefully and you communicate via pay inquiry to payroll to make sure that they're capturing that correctly. Um, And again, for the next several months, uh, they'll be able to capture the things that are scheduled, but the pieces that uh, change over the course of a month, they might miss if you don't uh, help them out. So just take your time, uh, review it, and uh, get back to them to make sure that that pay is happening uh, correctly for you. And again, all that, uh, it's just a process issue. It's uh, all that, the delay pay, the reassignment pay, things along those lines um, are in place and active. Just need to make sure we're capturing it. And uh, Scott, I know you had an idea there on how to make sure that um, you're capturing the schedule there.
3: Yeah, I think the best way for pilots to capture it um, is to go in to crew access, go to the hamburger menu, Pull down reports and uh, print out your roster or screenshot your roster for the bid period. And if you have two pages of that roster on that report, uh, save both pages, um, whether you print it out or screenshot it or save it as a PDF. And then go through and look at your trips. If you have a multi day trip for average day of the guarantee, for example, it's going to average five hours and fifteen minutes a day of credit. So if you have a two day trip and it's less than ten hours and thirty minutes, take a note of that trip of, of what the difference between what you credited, published, on your roster and what it would be with ADG, and that way you can total that all up for the month and then go look at your the the line item for the adjustment for average daily guarantee on your pay stub and ensure that you get the right amount. Like Chris said, if you call in sick or you're training displaced, et cetera, you still are owed the average daily guarantee for that trip if it applied. But payroll will have, won't have the ability to necessarily capture that. So if that happens, um, make sure you take note of it and send in a, a pay inquiry to payroll so that they know to bookmark that on your roster so you do get that average daily guarantee.
2: Yeah, so that's that's a lot of stuff we just went over. I just want to bring it back down to the basics. So the bottom line is if you uh, track your pay carefully and then you look at Section 12 and Section 25 in the contract itself, that should describe your life as far as the work rules go in Section 12 and 25, and that will give you clarity on what the rules should be uh, for you moving forward in December. So hopefully that uh, helps and if you have, again, any other questions, feel free to reach out to any of us here on the podcast, uh, Contract Compliance Area
1: Reps. Yep. And I, I know that a lot of those, uh, you know, the manual tracking and those adjustments, and it feels like a lot of extra burden, I think, for the average pilot. But it's important to note that we were able to get them implemented much more quickly than at other properties. For example, it will take a little bit of a manual workaround till we get that programming in place. And so the, the headache is temporary. Uh, and thanks guys. I mean, it is a lot. I was like looking at how long we've been recording and there is a lot of content there. And, uh, to channel my, my inner David on this podcast, I will say that we'll link to as many of those resources, for example, the payroll comm stand notes, those types of things, um, in the, the show notes to make sure that everybody can have an opportunity just for one-stop shopping to be able to click and move on. Um, and probably this is one of those podcasts that I think people have to come back to and listen to portions of it again, But there's a a lot happening in December, as I said, and that's kind of the important uh, piece to understand exactly what happens in December and why. Um, Returning to the issue of the MEC meeting and kind of that focus of, um, you know, where we go from here, there was a lot of talk about implementation, but there was also a lot of talk candidly about what it takes to make implementation work, what it takes to make a true culture change work here at, uh, at the airline and how everybody has to essentially hit on all cylinders and a lot of the departments that have touch points with the pilots um, have to be performing. To put it quite simple, uh, the issues around implementation were obviously discussed, uh, the things we just talked about. And if you have any other questions, I would encourage pilots to talk to their reps. Um, there were good, candid conversations about the the grievance backlog and moving that process forward. And a lot of uh, conversation as well. We did have um, senior management here in the MEC uh, meeting for a couple of hours. And we talked about opportunities that we're still trying to explore with the company. Um, issues that, uh, you know, we know the pilots have brought up, things that we heard about during roadshows. And just because we have a contract, it, it doesn't mean that we're not still advocating for things that we know pilots want and to explore opportunities when they present themselves. Um, there was indeed a very uh, candid conversation around, uh, you know, how implementation works and that the the contract has got to be respected at all levels, whether that is in the scheduling arena or whether that's in crew planning or whether that's in uh, training or any of the other touch points, hotels, for example, that, that we have with the company. Um, we did also mention, and I think it was a productive discussion about why pilots are skeptical you know, third step is the perfect example. And that until a, a new tone is set and people see true progress, um, and that, you know, failures are held accountable for pain points, that there's still going to be a culture problem and skepticism with, with the pilots. And I believe that that message was heard and, and resonated, you know, that what worked during the CBA, which, uh, was the right people, candidly discussing issues and active problem solving has got to be committed to as we move forward. We've got to, you know, cut through bureaucracy, have candid conversations and uh, rest assured that as that process goes, your MEC has given very clear direction that we report, good or bad, what is happening. And uh, we will be reporting the issues to the MEC, to the pilots and obviously uh, hope for, for good news and progress as we move forward. There are um, regular meetings set up for those types of conversations, and uh, we'll plan on reporting again to you as each one of those meetings happens. So uh, that that said, um, as far as final thoughts go, mention the fact that, yes, December is a, a kind of a watershed month for us. It is the new CBA. January starts the new year. We have a couple of uh, important pivot points. And in January, one of the longest MEC meetings happens because we bring all of the committee chairmen in together and receive briefings on their work, exchange ideas, and, uh, you know, to emphasize that these are the people who do the daily work that you feel and are the true backbone of the union. And it's good to have good discussions with them. And as that happens in January, that will uh, obviously inform the path forward. You can expect updates from that uh, that meeting from the committee's uh, Various committee updates, and as hinted above, if you want to be part of the process, part of those committees, you know, do reach out. The success of the union depends upon volunteers and you know people who are passionate about making this a better place. Um, we will also start the process in January at that meeting of looking ahead, uh, refining the strategic plans that we've already got in place, and looking forward into twenty twenty three all the way through twenty twenty five, and that will involve looking at the industry landscape where the next contract needs to take us, and, you know, most importantly, always throughout that process talking to you because it is your goals and uh, your expectations that set the backbone of that strategic plan. So along those lines, uh, you can expect outreach, unity events, and once again, I'll implore everybody to continue to stay informed, engage your elected reps, and continue to stay unified and talk, talk to each other as a group. This is, you know, your airline, your contract, and where we go depends upon you. And one, one final note, um, this is the holiday season, and with it is where I think the challenges of personal life really to meet the challenges of, of this career. And as always, I'm proud of the professionalism that this group always displays, but I ask again that we stay focused on that professionalism and safety. And and make that impression to these passengers who fly like once a year uh, that they want to see that they want to see in this group that we're all so proud of, and uh, most importantly too, make sure that if those pressures of professional and personal life are wearing on you, reach out because Alpa does have a number of support resources, um, as well as of course that those who you're flying with are there for you as well. I do hope that everybody had an opportunity to spend time with their family at some point over the Thanksgiving weekend. Please do take care of each other, stay informed, stay unified. That's what got us here. And that's what will get us there in the future and do stay engaged.
0: Thank you, Will. And again, I want to thank you guys for allowing me a little bit of time with my family over this holiday vacation. And I'd especially like to thank all of our listeners. This has been the Alaska Pilots Podcast.